Well, good morning. I am glad that you chose to come out. I believe I have something that's going to inspire you today that will, um, that will let you leave here on a different level this morning. And so how many know it's important to open up God's word and get some truth? Yeah? Y'all doing all right? Okay, just checking. Hey, we had a great first experience. And so um, we, we taught this in the first experience and the whole room got saved. Now, I know most of you are already saved, so, um, but that, that was just them. They needed it real bad, but we, we, we need this too. So last week, we kicked off this series, and it, I believe it's just one of those most important series that you can hear, because I, I remember growing up in what I thought was a pretty good church, and no one ever taught me what I'm teaching or sharing with you today in this series. And so the series is called Rethink. Everyone say Rethink. The reason why I call it Rethink is because there's some old stinking thinking, wrong thinking that you and I need to get right. And so I remember when I started to get some revelation on just allowing God to change my thinking, how it just helped me so, so much. And so last week we kicked this off and the kind of give this series a tagline, I've been saying this, that we're learning to recognize, remove, and replace Wrong thinking. Here's the deal. In this room, everyone watching my live stream, and especially the 930 crowd, a lot of wrong thinking. You can, you can be on your way to heaven and, and, and love Jesus and just have a lot of thinking that needs to change. Somebody with me on that? And so we're just talking about how important it is. So last week, we talked about how to recognize if you have wrong thinking. And there are really three ways you can recognize if you have wrong thinking. Check your moods, check your words, and check the actions and decisions of your life. Because you're always moving in the direction of your most consistent thoughts. And whether you want to believe this or not, you are the thinker of your thoughts, not God. I'm just saying, we think our thoughts, right? And so we learned last week that we need to start just laying those thoughts down and let God transform our stinking thinking. And in the way I look at it is our thinking is like getting on a train and that train's gonna take you down a railway in some direction unless you make sure you change course. I mean, wouldn't it be a, a terrible thing to be on the wrong train, go in the wrong place because you're gonna arrive in the wrong place? It's gonna take you wherever that rail is leading you, and for some of us, that rail has led us to some bad decisions, some bad choices. Um, we miss some great things just because of our wrong thinking, so we have to recognize wrong thinking. We're going to learn today how to remove the wrong thinking, so we not only have to recognize it, we want to start removing it, and next week, I'm going to tell you how to replace wrong thinking, and I believe this, the, the, destiny, of your, the destiny of your life starts changing when we can allow God to transform our thinking, so y'all ready to go this morning? Um, I, I wrote this down, and I thought this sounded really, 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 really awesome, so make me feel good by saying, well, that's good. Ready? Um, you are only as free as your thoughts. Let's try that again. You are only as free as your thoughts. You, you can sing about being free. You can shout about being free. You can get all happy and dance about being free, but we're really only as free as our thoughts, and they say that you think about 10,000 thoughts a day. So I could say it this way, that you are not responsible for the thoughts that come your way, but you are accountable what you do with those thoughts when they show up. Sometimes thoughts are just random. Sometimes they're just out of nowhere. And so you're not responsible that they come, but you are accountable with what you do with every one of those thoughts because if you start messing around with the wrong thoughts, they're going to mess you up. They'll just mess you up. They'll mess your relationships up. They'll mess your life up. So the Bible is very clear that we're made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body. Your spirit is what gets born again. 
It's made complete. It's made brand new. Your flesh didn't get saved. That's why Paul said there's a battle between wanting to do the right thing and not doing the right thing. Anyone ever felt that battle? But the reason why your soul is so important is because your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. That's the core of your life. That's, where, that's your chooser. That's where you make your decisions. And so that has to be renewed because that didn't get saved either. So we need to take the word of God and let God begin to transform and change our stinking thinking. So all these thoughts we think, we make a decision whether we're going to rebuke them, embrace them, reason with them, refute them. And so we're the thinker of our thoughts, so we're learning how we're going to remove these wrong thoughts from our life. But I want to start off with a really cool scripture. This is in the book of of 3 John, verse 2. We preached on this before, but it reads this way, beloved friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way. So we see very clearly from scripture, God wants you to prosper. In what ways? Every way. He wants your life. What that means is God wants you to have a successful journey. He wants you to have a blessed life is what that means. So he says, I want your life to be prosperous and I want your life to be blessed and that you enjoy good health. So God wants our health to be good. He wants our, all of our life to be good. That doesn't mean there will be no challenges or problems. It just says God wants your life to have a successful journey. And then he tells us the key to how that happens at the end of the verse. It says this, just as your soul was prospering. If your soul prospers, guess what your life's going to do? Prosper. If your life gets blessed and successful, it's a result of your stinking thinking and your wrong thinking being what? Altered. Here's the very, very cool thing is I mentioned that we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. And in Hebrews, it says this, we have the word of God and it's full of energy. And because it's full of energy, it can cut through the spirit, soul, and body. In other words, the word of God can change our stinking thinking. And if we begin to think on the word of God, guess what? Our thinking gets prosperous and our life gets prosperous. So I, I, I came up with these few things here, a little checklist of how prosperous your soul is. In other words, these are a few signs that your thinking is prospering or your thinking is, is good thinking. You want to hear? Yeah. Okay, all right. First one is this, that you have a passion for revelation instead of just being satisfied with information. I mean, we, we live in a culture, a society, a world where information is not a problem. I have information right here at my fingertips. It's called a smartphone. That's debatable, but it's called a smartphone because it's connective, it's full of information. So information in our world is not a problem. Revelation is a challenge. And if your, if your thinking is prospering, that means you have more of a passion for revelation than, that, than you do just being satisfied with information. So let, let, me, let me explain revelation to you. Revelation means this, that there was something and it was behind a curtain and it was always there, but someone opened up that curtain for you and you got revelation. It was an aha moment. I call it your wow moment. Like there might've been a moment you spent your whole life in church, but someone opened up that curtain and then they exposed grace to you and it was a wow moment. Or they exposed faith to you and it was a wow. It was a wow, it was an aha moment. So revelation is different than information because revelation will transform you. Information will just inform you. But if you have a passion on an ongoing basis, God, I, I want to be transformed. God, I want your revelation. God, I want your, I want your thinking. I want to hear what the word of God says. I want, I want the word of God to change. That's a passion for revelation. Actually, God said this in the book of Hosea. He said, my people are destroyed because they lack what? 
revelation of knowledge. In other words, God's saying, my peeps are destroyed. They're dying early. Their lives are lived on a lower level. Why? Because they don't have revelation. So it's my job or it's my goal every Sunday to get up here and give you some revelation, to let you have a wow moment, to, do, to give you something that will transform your thinking. And if your thinking changes, guess what? Your standard or your level of living also changes. So if, if your thinking's prosperous, that, that, that means this. I've got a passion for revelation, not just information. Here, here's a few more. Um, you're focused on the positive instead of the negative. How many just love to be around negative people? Isn't that just a great experience? Anyone know some negative people? I mean, their thoughts, their words, it's just everything is negative. It's going to be a good week. No, it's going to storm all week. I mean, there's always a negative. And if our thinking isn't being changed, we, we get stuck in the negative. So a sign that your thinking is prosperous is that your thinking becomes positive. Now, I'm not saying you never have a just a you know, a, a bad moment or a bad day, but on an ongoing basis, if your thinking is prosperous, your outlook is different. It's more positive. Let, let, let me give you a, a few more. Um, you, have a, you have a confident heart instead of being double-minded. The Bible says if you're double-minded, you're what? Unstable in all your ways. It's like a wave tossed to and fro. And so the, uh, we, we could say this, that a, a confident heart Having some confidence, some belief, some faith is a sign that your thinking is prospering. Now remember, your life's only going to move in the direction that your thoughts are going. I'm not, please don't misunderstand me, I'm not talking about just becoming mentally stimulated to have a better outlook. I'm talking about letting the words of Jesus change your thinking. You know, there's some people, they just flip-flop. They're one way this way, one way that way, one way with this person, one way with that way. And what the Word of God will do is it, it, it will make you stable. Yeah. Look at someone who says, he's talking to you. You need, you need to get stable. All right, you don't like those? Let me give you a few more. All right, here's this next one, right? This, this is a good one. You ready for this one? Um, you have emotional strength instead of being led by your emotions. Let me say that again. You have some emotional strength, <clears throat> ladies, instead of, I'm just kidding, <laughs> um, instead of just being led by your emotions. Now, there's nothing wrong with emotions because the Bible said we're made in the image of God. So obviously, God is a God who has emotions. Jesus had all those emotions. He had excitement. He had grief. So I'm not talking about never having any emotion, but we cannot let our emotions Lead our life. The Bible says, be led by your faith, not your feelings. Be led by the spirit, not the flesh. Man, sometimes, how, how many of you have ever made a very emotional decision? Now, don't put your hand up. I'm not looking. Sometimes we make very bad emotional decisions relationally. How many have ever made a really bad emotional decision on a purchase? A lot of times we're just led. And it's like, I'm driving it, it's out there. No. A lot of times we make emo we're just led by emotion instead of principle. And usually that gets us in trouble. Okay, you haven't liked any of those so far, I can tell. Let me give you a few more. Okay, you ready for this next one? You seek change instead of refusing change. You seek change instead of refusing change. Now, you all say you like change. 
we don't. Here's how I know. Most of you are sitting where you usually sit every Sunday. You need to come next Sunday, sit in a totally different place, just freak us all out. We'll probably give you a guest shirt. We've never seen you before. Who's this person? We get very routine, and there could be some strengths to routine. But you know, you, you can't ever think different if you're not seeking change. And things in your life can't go to the next level if we're not seeking change. And I believe that if you have prosperous thinking, you're really seeking change. Here's the deal. The Bible said God is the same yesterday, today, forever. God doesn't need to change, but I got a newsflash. You and me do. Our words need to change. Our hearts need to change. The, 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 the things we think they need to, guess what? They need to change. Look at someone who said he's talking to you. If you have prosperous thinking, you're, you're ambitious about what? Change. Because the Bible says this, we look into the word of God and it's like a mirror and it reflects back what God says to us and we, and we identify with what he says and it brings a change and we go from one glory to the next glory. To, in other words, that was what takes us to the next level and the next level. And you might want to go to the next level, but guess what? Between this level and that level, there's something that happens in here is called transformation and you could say it's change. So if I'm going to go from this level to this level, guess what? Some thinking has to change. Some living has to change. So some relationships might have to change, but change. Look at someone say, change is good. You didn't say it like you believed it, but change is good. God, God's always in the process. This, this whole um, having our minds remodeled, guess what? It is a process. It's an ongoing process that, that Jesus is going to work on with you from now until you step into heaven. It's just about us laying down our wrong thinking. And going, we, we talked about the last, last week on a daily basis, just say, God, I'm laying down my thinking, my opinions, my thoughts. I'm gonna lay them down to pick up your thoughts, to have my thoughts transformed. Okay, I got two more. Can you handle two more? How about this one? You have a joyful attitude instead of consistent discouragement. And I'm not saying you never have a bad moment or just a bad day, but I'm saying on, an on, on a consistent basis, you have a joyful attitude. Here's the deal. The Bible doesn't really say to be happy. Because here's what happiness is. Happiness means things are going, circumstances are in your favor. And maybe you had one of those weeks. Hey, circumstances went in my favor. It was a good week. Things went in my favor. I had a happy week. But what happens when a circumstance doesn't go in your favor? We lose our happiness. So the Bible doesn't really tell us to be happy. It says be what? Joyful. That's the attitude we're supposed to have. It's a joyful attitude. Actually, the Bible says this, that count all these things as what? Joy. What it's talking about, the challenges that we're in, it says count all those things joyful. Here's what that scripture means. You take the problem and you take the challenge and you just start adding it up. And you get the printout. But then you go over here and you get your adding machine out and you start adding up the promises. And all of a sudden the promises outweigh the problems. It's a, it's a shift in your thinking to believe that I have more solutions than I do problems. I have more promises. You know, there's a promise for every problem in your life. That, that, that will change your outlook. So if you're having more of a joyful attitude, it's a good sign you're having some prosperous thinking. I got one more. Can you handle one more? Um, how about this? Um, you are more faith-filled instead of fear-focused. Faith-filled instead of fear-focused. Now, fear is something everybody deals with. Fear is something that challenges everybody. 
But the last time I read the Bible, it said this about fear. Now, there's a couple fears you have that are natural. Like if you stand on the edge of a cliff, how many know there's a good fear that you don't take another step? That's an innate fear God put in you so you won't fall. But there are these other fears, and the Bible says, the Bible actually says it's a spirit of fear. So fear is a spirit. But the Bible said he didn't give you that type of spirit. He gave you what? Confidence, boldness, self-control, a sober mind. So one sign that your, your thinking is prospering, if your thinking prospers, your journey prospers, is that you're more focused on faith than you are fear. And faith comes by what? Do you know fear comes by hearing too? You're not gonna make it, you can't do it. You got this sickness, this is gonna get you. The economy's crashing, world's crazy. Place we live in, people are nuts. Fear, 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 fear. Faith comes the same way, God's with you. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You're more than a, uh, than a conqueror in all things. God's called you to thrive, not just survive. God's with you. He's for you. He's not against you. Greater is he that's in me than he is in the world. What's that do? Builds fear. You think on those thoughts, guess what? Your life starts to prosper. But the, the book of Proverbs says this, that if our life is left unguarded, it becomes like ruins. Now, I, I've had the opportunity before to be, in the, be at the Mayan ruins in Tikal in Guatemala, and it was, it's a, it's a sad sign of what was one of the greatest dynasties on earth, but it's just a bunch of rubble now. It's just a bunch of ruins, and people go from all over the world to visit ruins. But what happens is if we play around with our thoughts, and we don't guard our thoughts, and we don't start removing those thoughts, our thinking can end up like those ruins. Our lives, our destinies, the things God has for us can end up in ruins, not because God is not for us, but because we've allowed stinking thinking or wrong, you know, you could be on your way to heaven and just have a lot of hell in your thinking. And so we not only have to recognize that, we have to start to what? Remove that. So guess what? For the next few moments, I want to teach you real quick how to remove wrong thinking from your life. So let's go to 2 Corinthians. Y'all are quiet today. I thought this was like the rowdy crowd. It must have been the early. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 Let's learn how to remove wrong thinking. Chapter 10, 2 Corinthians says this. For though we walk or we live in the what? Flesh. That means we have flesh, right? We live, we breathe the flesh. Even though we live in the flesh, we are not carrying on what? What's the word? Okay, now that was the wimpiest expression of the word warfare. So that's an intense word. So I'm going to go one, two, three, and you got to say warfare. One, two, three. Warfare. So we walk in the flesh. We don't carry on warfare in the flesh and use human weapons. So when I read that, I want to stop right there before we read the rest of that. That tells me that you and I as a Christian, we're in a war. And the war is for your thinking. The battle is for your thinking, and the battlefield is your mind. I think I said this last week, but contrary to the theologian Pat Benatar, love is not a battlefield. Guess what it is? Your thinking is a battlefield. Y'all know the theologian Pat Benatar, right? Y'all remember that song? Love is a battlefield. Okay. That's the only words I know. I don't remember the rest of them. What was I saying? 
it's a battlefield. Your, your mind is the battle. That's where the war takes place. Let, let's jump to another verse and I'll come back. Ephesians chapter six. Look at verse 10 and 11. Finally, brethren, be what? So if you're in a war, you should be what? Strong. And the power of his might. So I'm in a war. I'm gonna have power in his might. Look at verse 11. And put on all of your armor so you can stand against the wiles of the devil. All right, so let, let, let's explain this verse. This will help us. First of all, the Bible says, put on your armor. Now, I, I remember several years ago, I, was, I led a mission trip team. We were in Jamaica working with the missionary, and every morning he would have us go through Ephesians and put on our armor. We put on our helmet, we put on our belt, we put on our breastplate, we put on our shield, we put on our shoes. We have to do this little thing. And I remember thinking, why do we have to put this on? Why did we take it off? I mean, if you're in a war, the first thing you don't want to do is what? Take off your armor. A better way to say this verse would be this. Keep sinking into your armor. Keep sinking into your weapons. Keep sinking. So you should never take it off. And the Bible explains this armor. It says some things like this, that you have the belt of what? Truth. You know what that means? The belt of truth is the written word of God. How many know your belt's pretty important? You ever seen those videos? Someone's just walking along, they forgot their belt, and whoop. Well, your belt is what holds it all together. It's what holds everything up. No one wants to see that, right? So the belt of truth, the word of God, is what holds it all together. The promises of Jesus, the words of Jesus, is what holds it all together. So have your belt of truth. It goes on and says, have a breastplate of what? righteousness, which means this, that your, your, your breastplate covers your heart. You need to know that you are righteous. That's truth, right? You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Then it talks about your helmet of, how I many know you need to know the word, you need to know you're saved. You need to have the thoughts of Christ. Then it talks about the shield of faith. That's how you advance with faith, it talks about having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. That means the gospel of peace, which means you have peace with God and you have the peace of God. So then it says your sword, which is what? The spoken word of God. It talks about the lance, which is prayer. So what I'm saying is these are items of truth. And the Bible says you need to keep sinking into those things. Keep sinking into the truth. Keep sinking into the word of God. Keep sinking into the promises because then you can stand against the wiles of the devil. When you see the word devil, it's the Greek word diabolos, which means this. He keeps coming at you and coming at you and coming at you until he penetrates. He keeps accusing. He keeps deceiving. He keeps messing with you until he overwhelms your thoughts. Where's the battlefield? It's here. He keeps coming. Man, does that sound familiar? Have you ever just tried to lay down and boom, 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 boom? Have you ever just tried to be doing your thing and boom, boom, boom until he penetrates? Because the devil is crazy. He's mad. He's after your what? Your thoughts. So it says, so you can stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles means the roads or the methods to your mind. So what the scripture is saying is keep sinking into the, to the truth of the word. Keep sinking into the truth of scripture. Keep sinking in. Keep those weapons. Keep sinking into that because guess what it's going to do? It's going to keep you from being penetrated by the devil who keeps coming down that road or that method and he keeps coming down the same road into your mind, the same thoughts into your mind. And the Bible says you'll be able to stand against him. But it's a battle. 
It's a war. And how many know sometimes it's, the war is cranked up? And sometimes there's an onslaught. But we have to be aware of him. But you keep sinking into the truth. Let's read on. The Bible says this. Verse 4. For those weapons of yours, the weapons of warfare, they're not physical. They're not of flesh. They're not of blood. But they're what? They're mighty before God to overthrow and destroy strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute an argument and a theory and a reasoning and anything that raises itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we lead every thought captive. So let me share with you real quick how you remove wrong thinking from your life. I'm going to keep moving here. Here's how you remove wrong thinking. The Bible said this, if you know the truth, if you abide in the truth, the truth shall set you free. So you can get free of wrong thinking if you abide in the truth. The truth are those weapons we just talked about. So here's what happens when you take the weapons of truth, the, the, the truth of scripture, and you put it to your thought life. If you're in a war, guess what you better do? Fight. You're not just fighting for space up here. You're fighting for space in your family. You're fighting for space in your church. You're fighting for space in your health. You're fighting for space in your relationships. You're fighting for space in your finances. You're fighting for your space. Stand in the word. And here's what happens. It does three things. The first thing it does is it destroys a stronghold. A strong, the word stronghold is not a word we use a lot. It's the oldest word in the New Testament. And it really means a fortress. A better way to say it is, it's a prison wall. And it is erected to keep things out and things in. And so the Bible says this, there are strongholds around our thinking. And strongholds are, we could say it this way, those are stubborn thoughts we can't get rid of. And they have been there for a long time or they will not go easily. They're called strongholds. Anyone ever felt some of those strongholds in your thinking? They're stubborn and they're there to keep things out. They're there to keep things in. And the Bible uses this imagery. And it, it, so we want, we want the best from God, but there are these deceptions and feelings and thoughts that often keep us from the best of God, and they're just strongholds. But the Bible says that the weapons we sink into, they're mighty, and they'll actually pull down those strongholds. You have them, I have them, and guess what? They, they, they need to go. And here's how a stronghold works. It's kind of like I brought these, these sunglasses because when I look through these sunglasses, there's a filter of how I see things. I don't see things as clear. And that's sort of how a stronghold works. So let me explain some, how, what some strongholds are. Strongholds could be attitudes. So your thinking can create some attitudes. I'm not talking about you just had a bad morning. I'm talking about just anyone know anybody just a bad, I mean, it's just bad attitude all the time. It could just be a stronghold in their life. Uh, another stronghold could be your perceptions about things or your perspective about things. For, for example, if someone walks up to you and say, man, you look a lot thinner and they're complimenting you, but this is what you hear. Man, if they said I look thinner, they must've thought I was huge. Those are perspectives we have because of things that have been said or things that have been done. Come on, and that's just a silly example, but there are other examples. So our perspectives, our attitudes, man, how about a couple more of these? Our emotions, some people are just easily offended. Man, we live in a world right now that is so easily offended, but sometimes that could just be a stronghold. Easily angered, easily insecure. I'm talking about consistently. Not only emotional strongholds, um, these are strongholds too. Um, things that become consistencies in our life. Some people have consistent illness in their life. 
it could be a stronghold. I'm not talking about you just, you just were challenged, but I mean, I know some people, it's one sickness after sickness after sickness after sickness, and it's a stronghold. Um, influences, iniquities, I mean, just some same sins over and over and over. These could be strongholds. Not only consistencies in your life, um, how, how about this excessive things in our life that could be strongholds? Things like um, extreme manipulation, control, drama. Have you ever known anybody that just has drama all the time? And they're not like 14 anymore. They're like 44 and they have the same drama than when they were 13. That could just be a strong accident. Some people, it's accident after accident, sin after sin. Sometimes those things are strongholds. But what needs to happen is see these, these glasses have this problem that this lens will come out. But see, when that lens is gone, I can begin to see things much more clear than I, than I could before. It actually gets a lot clearer when I do this. But strongholds in our life. And, and, so how would a stronghold get there in your life? Y'all doing all right? Just a couple more minutes. How does a stronghold get there? It, it could get there a few ways. One, it could just be from the devil. Remember Diabolos? The devil is, it, it could be there because the devil has deceived you. Remember Diabolos? Penetrate, penetrate, accusation, thought, think, 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 until he penetrates. There could be things that just came from the devil and we received them or we took them in and, and we kept believing them and they have been there for years and they're just stuck in our thinking and they're stubborn. It, it could be there because of the world's influence. The, word, the world's theories, the world's education, the world's entertainment, the messages that the world sends, and we, we, we've just been trained up under it, and now we're thinking that way. And it's just stubborn, just, just stuff we, it could be just, or it could be our flesh has enticed us. It could be experiences we've had, things that went on, failures that have happened, appetites of our flesh, and they just get in us. We could have been wounded growing up, trained this way growing up, life taught us this, and they get in us, it becomes part of our thinking, and it gets to become a stubborn, stubborn stronghold. But the Bible said we gotta keep sinking into the word of God, and it can pull down those strongholds. It's not something you just go do, it's just keep sinking into the truth. And then it says this, the other thing that happens is we refute arguments, Arguments are opinions, imaginations, reasonings. Sometimes those reasonings are logical. Sometimes they're illogical. But they're things that raise themselves up against the knowledge of God. And here's what you have to do with them. Refute them. Let me give you an example. That thought comes that you, you, you're never going to get healthy. You're never going to get healed. This is never going to change. You have to refute that. Because that's against what the Word of God says. Thoughts come your way that you, you, know, you can't do this, you're, you're not smart enough, you, you don't have enough education, you've not been trained for this. You need to refute that because what scripture say? I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Right. What I'm saying is you've got to answer that. You've got to, have an, you've got to uh, refute those arguments. You have to refute those opinions. And all you got to do is say, this is what Jesus said. This is what God said. This is what the word of God says. Because we're just taking in any thought that comes our way. We're taking any thought that was there for years and it's fixed in our life. And here's how it goes. We got to start refuting it. But how many know you got to have a little bit of revelation be able to be able to refute those things? How about, how about this? Maybe this week, and don't look around and figure out who it is, but maybe this week you had a bad moment and you said a bad word. And all of a sudden, the little voice came. See, you're not saved. It didn't work. 
It worked for everyone else but you. You're not, you wouldn't say that. Christians don't say those words. You don't do those things. And all of a sudden, what do you feel? Very unworthy. You got to refute that. You say, how do I refute that? Well, you take the scripture in the book of Corinthians that says this. I'm the righteousness of God in, in, in Christ Jesus. I'm righteous not by my performance, but I'm righteous because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, that doesn't mean you just go do whatever. Well, what that means is you got to be able to refute those arguments that are against you. And here's the last thing that the truth will do. It will bring down strongholds. It will refute an argument against the knowledge of God. And the Bible says this, it will bring every thought captive to the knowledge of Christ. It will bring it obedient to the word of Jesus. Now, everything I said this morning, I want to bring to this point because this, this will make all of this make sense. Y'all glad you came? So we got to recognize wrong thinking, and then we've got to do, we've got to do what? We've got to start removing wrong thinking from our life. But it's not just something you can do yourself. You have to take the word of God and put it to wrong thinking to remove it. I'm going to teach you next week how to replace it. Because if you don't replace it, guess what happens? It comes back. I'm back. You got something out a year ago, and all of a sudden, it's back. Anyone ever had that happen before? Man, I thought that was gone. All of a sudden, it's like... Here's what this scripture really means. Um, anyone like to watch cop shows? So they, they, they arrest someone. They bring them in. They put them in the interrogation room. There's that light, you know, hanging like this. And that light hits them, and they're like, where were you? On August 18th, 2019, what were you doing? Who were you with? And they start investigating. They start interrogating. They're trying to get a confession out of them. They're trying to get the story out of them so they can unravel this case and solve the case. Now, there's this one particular police show I like better than others, and it's not so calm. They have a cage in the lower level of the police building, and so um, when, when, they, when they interrogate them, if they're not getting anywhere with them, they take them to the cage. And they're not real nice about it. They're like, if you'd have a seat, we'll get back to you. I want some coffee. We just want to get some answers. It's not like that. It, they, they slap them around a little bit. They knock them around a little bit. They, 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 you know, they put their foot on their throat, and they're, they're getting the confession out of them. It's awesome. Now, I know that's not legal, and that's not how it's supposed to happen, and I know it's just TV, but you know what? We, with our thoughts, we're too nice about it. We need to take some of those thoughts and put the Word of God to them, because here's what it means to bring every thought captive. It says you take your sword, and you put those thoughts at spear point. It's the same word we use for interrogate. So you got some wrong thinking going on in your life, which is leading to some wrong destinies, which is keeping some right blessings from your life. You take the word of God and you put those thoughts at spear point and you interrogate them. If it says something different than what Jesus said, then it's time for it to go. If it says something different than God said, because this is God's thinking right here. It's just written down. It's recorded for you. And it's like saying, you know what? You might have some thoughts. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to be this. You're never going to be that. You're never going to have victory in this area, you need to take the word of God and say, that is not what Jesus said. And you put it at spear point. And, it, and, and you say, you know what? The word of God said, I'm a more than a conqueror in every one of these situations. I'm going to take the word of God and put it at this. God says, I'm healed. His children do not beg for healing. But you, you take the word of God and say, you know what? You might have these thoughts where you're, you're going to be broke. You know, you live in West Virginia and it's all about poverty and it's all about oppression and you can never be blessed. And blessed. You need to put that at spear point and say, it doesn't matter where I live. It doesn't matter 
matter what, what, what that economic forecast is, I'm gonna put it at spear point. I'm gonna interrogate that thought and I'm gonna say this, God calls me blessed above all things. He said, above all things, I would have you prosperous and be in health just like your soul. But you gotta know some word. You gotta have some revelation on some word so you can take the word of God, put that at spear point and say, it's time for this to be removed from my life. See, here's the deal. If you believe you can, or if you believe you can't, you're right both ways. You, you, you can't do it, not gonna happen, never gonna get your breakthrough, not just, you know this happens for other people because they're special and they had a better upbringing. And it, it, we hear these voices and you gotta be able to not buy into those voices and go down that road of depression. I'm telling you, the, the word of God will bring you right up and out of depression. It will bring you right up because depression is the highest form of pride. Now, I'm not saying it's not a real thing because it's about me, 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 me. And you need to take the word of God and say, you know what, I'm done being depressed. And I'm gonna take the word of God and I'm gonna put at, at spear point, this is your spear, it's the sword, it's, it's the word of God. And you just need to say what this says, you know what? No, I'm stopping those thoughts, right? And they've been around for years, it's time for them to go. You can't break them down in your own power, but if you say they need to bow out the name of Jesus, they have to fall. And it will bring you freedom in your life. I, I remember this years ago. I didn't share this in the first service. I was working with a young lady, and, and she, was, she was in the, the mental behavior ward at a particular hospital, and it was going nowhere but down. And when I would come in, I would just sit with her, and I would share scripture. And when I would leave, she'd be a different person. I'd come back, she'd be right back to how she was. I would come in, I would share the word of God, and she was getting free. But the doctors didn't want her free. So they negated everything I would say every time. But the word of God was setting her free right before my eyes. Now, I'm not sure what happened to her. That was a few years ago. But the, And there's nothing wrong with counselors. There's nothing wrong with, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying this is the greatest help. You need to see a counselor by all means, but I'm just saying, you, you, you need to put this to the thoughts. The number one reason people are in mental wards is because they feel like they have committed an unpardonable sin. That, that's the number one reason. You can ask my wife. We have worked with people who thought they had done the, the worst thing and they were, uh, they, they take Romans out of context and they thought they've committed a sin that God couldn't forgive and God turned them over to a reprobate mind and that's not the truth and I had to sit down with them we've done it more than once and say you know what let's get the word of God in context and let's fix that you know what happened every time they would listen they walked out of their healthy because their thinking their thinking was challenged your thinking's challenged my thinking's challenged away from this book all this book does is it corrects our thinking y'all should be doing something right now besides like, well, that's pretty good. I'm gonna put that in my notes for later. No, you should be like, man, I needed to hear this message. I got some, because things are about to change. There's a new season in your life about to change because you're getting your thinking rearranged. Did y'all get that? Your life's about to ascend to the next level because we're getting our thinking fixed. Somewhere you wanted to get that you couldn't get, yeah, you're saved. That's not the question. The, the, the question is, I got I to gotta have a breakthrough right here, down in my soul, down in my core, my mind, will. My, it's time for your emotions to stop leading your life and let what Jesus said lead your life. Come on. 
Some of you keep making some bad relationship decisions. This will fix that. I don't know who that's for. This will fix that. It's going to make you a better mom. It's going to make you a better dad. Come on, it's going to make you a better husband. Make you a better wife. It is going to fix some things that were spoken over you all your life. See, someone that you had this spoken to you all your life, you were never good enough. You could never do it. And you're never coming up and out of that. And you bought into it. Because the devil lied to you. He just spoke through someone close to you. That's not what Jesus said. And if it's not what Jesus said, it needs to come down. Did you get that? Jesus said you are who he says you are. You can have what he says you can have. You can be who he says you can be. You can do what he says you can do. You can walk in what he says you can walk. That's why this book is so important. Hey, this, this shouldn't be, if it's, if it's collecting dust on a shelf in your living room, your life's full of dust. If this book's wore out, your life won't be. It won't, but this, this is God's revelation. Let's all stand. Anyone get something good?